Hi, welcome to the Prison Project Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Raskin. This is a podcast about criminal and social justice issues from prison reform to ethics and everything in between. Available on WDIY 88.1 FM and on WDIY.org. Today, we have guest Tori Campbell. Hi. Campbell, like the soup. Like the soup. (laughs) We have Tori Campbell Soup today, an engineering and urban planning student at Lehigh University who's interested in sustainable urban design. Tori has written several proposals on a variety of academic topics. She's worked for the UN. She's worked as a GED tutor at Northampton County Prison, and she's even taught English to students in Panama. Tori, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Alexis. So... Let's let's just get right to it. Why is criminal justice important to you? That's a hard question to start with. I've never actually considered this question. It's always been something I have no idea. <laughs> it's always been something that has interested me. I I just have curiosities about why people end up in the prison system, what sorts of lives lead them to being in it, um, how it impacts their lives afterwards how we view them in society, I think it's all very interesting. And that's why it's such an urgent issue for the listeners to hear about, because it's just a story about people, really, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, So you wrote a proposal, which I read, um, on the flaws in our criminal justice system in your paper, Advocating for a Solution. Would you talk a little bit about that? Um, So I believe that the way that we handle crime is very flawed because we value punishment over rehabilitation. And when we end up punishing people for the crimes that they've committed, we fail to ask why they committed these crimes. We fail to look deeper at the problem and ask, like, what, what are the root problems? How can we target these? How can we eliminate these problems so less people end up in prison? So last year, I wanted to plan a criminal justice week at universities all over the Lehigh Valley area. It didn't exactly develop into a full criminal justice week, but I did do some presentations at Lehigh. I did one presentation in the sociology class where I asked students what crimes they've committed um, anonymously, showed them how long people are in, in prison for these crimes, the amount of people in prison for these crimes, and went through like a whole list of really basic things and what then were the crimes that some students had committed um like drinking alcohol underage smoking marijuana petty thefts and then afterwards i added together the number of people who were in prison for each specific crime and it was around one million people which is a huge chunk wow that's a good way to get students to understand because when you look at the amount of students who are drinking underage or smoking or doing these little misdemeanor crimes, it wh- why are they not in prison? And why are these certain people in prison? The only difference between the people like students at Lehigh who have committed these crimes and aren't in prison and those people who are in prison is luck. Um, it's the life that they were born into, the privileges that they have. Brace their race, their um, their family history, yeah. the amount of money they have. Exactly. It all goes into it. I also think it's hard to put people away for drug crimes when they really have like a drug addiction because so little rehabilitation is actually done. Mm-hmm. Another root cause is trauma. A lot mm. of people have experienced trauma as children. Uh, maybe one huge traumatic 
event that impacted them for the rest of their lives or set them down a direction that maybe isn't best for them. Yeah. So you are also a GED tutor and I'd love to hear from your end, your perspective, what that was like you walk into the prison and how is that experience for you? I've been a GED tutor for about two years. Every experience is very interesting. I've met a wide variety of people. Um, the very first person that I worked with did not know how to read um, and each person has a different skill set. Some are incredibly intelligent, want to start businesses after they get released from prison. Some of them want to learn how to read. Um, every case is different. And about how old generally are your inmates? What are, what are they like? I'd say the majority of the people I worked with are in their 20s or 30s. Right. It was really weird when I was working with someone who was pretty much the same age as me, I think maybe a year younger. And I thought about how we're, we're very similar. Yeah. We were able to have great conversations and we're around the same age and yet I am living a completely different life than this person right now. So you're studying sustainable development and urban planning. How do you want to incorporate criminal justice into that? I think that sustainable development is the tie between environmental, social, and economic problems, and all of these are closely tied to one another. And urban planning is designing cities, and both of these go together because I think that if we design cities or other areas in certain ways, we can design out social problems, um, we can design away crime, or we could look at what the root causes of crime are and intentionally make cities target these issues. If that makes sense? Yeah, no. Design away crime. What do you What do you mean by that? I think that, okay, so for example, you can look at a map of the U.S. and the big data statistics depending on neighborhood or city or like area or group of people. And then we can look deeper into this and see what are the social issues that this area is facing. So for example, if an area has a lot of opioid addicts, you can put in addiction centers or honestly, maybe that wasn't the best example because I'm not too knowledgeable about that. No, but that's a good, I think that, that made sense to me. Like just looking at the demographics, saying what do people need mm -hmm. and how do we provide that? <laughs> exactly. That's really cool. I wanted to talk to you today also about the death penalty and what your stance is. About 14,000 people have been estimated to be legally executed in U.S. history, according to ACLU. What is your stance? I think that our goal should be to give people life, to allow people to live the only life that they have free. It's of course like a very difficult ethical dilemma because some may say that there are people who cannot be rehabilitated, there are people who are inherently bad. I'm not sure how much I believe that, but I think that there may be some people who rehabilitation uh, would be very tricky. Yeah, I think some people look at death penalty and they say, this is someone who's killed someone, this is someone who's killed many people, they deserve to die. And if you looked at every crime like that, if we looked at rape like that, if you raped someone, the penalty cannot be rape. It can't. It's hard to say that we have the right to kill someone, just in general, because then you're lowering yourself to the crime that that 
one individual committed. Mm -hmm. you know. So if we don't execute, what do we do? Well, what I don't think is the solution is putting people in prison for life because that's basically the death penalty, but very slowly. Mm -hmm. I think that, okay, so in Spain, the longest time, you might need to fact check me on this one, that someone can spend in prison for murder is either 7 or 25 years. Either one is much less than your entire life, but that's the longest amount of time people spend in jail for that crime, which we probably consider the most heinous of crimes. And how has that impacted crime in Spain? Are crime rates lower because of a lower penalty or would they be higher? It's it's definitely lower than the US. Yeah. We have over 2 million people imprisoned. I saw a fact, a statistic once that said one in three Americans over the age of 25, fact check this one too, <laughs> have been in prisons. Wow. One third, that's ridiculous. So if we want to change the prison system, we have to look at what other countries are doing and see what works for them. I think it's hard to compare the U.S. to a lot of countries because we are so unique in so many ways. So we can take things from, you know, European countries and we can take things from the other side of the world. But at some point, we have to come up with our own unique system because we're so unlike. We're huge. We're a massive country. And there's so many different types of people. So we do need to find something that works for us. And I, I think it's going to be something like unique for the United States, not like exact system of other countries, but kind of like a combination mm -hmm. of things that we pick up. I know for death penalty using lethal injection, I think there are still problems with legal, lethal injection. There, you hear of some stories of like, sometimes if you don't distribute the injection perfectly, people can end up being paralyzed while they're dying and mm -hmm. it takes like 15 minutes or 30 minutes. I think maybe inst instead of spending the resources and time on figuring out the most effective way to kill someone, we should spend those same resources and time on fixing the problem so yeah. that we don't need to kill people. And with the legal injection, it's, it's tough because you can't see how the other person is feeling as they're dying like you don't know how painful it is to them mm. because i think it does paralyze you yeah if you're not able to move if you're not able to respond with your face or your body then it's basically us just killing someone and ignoring any of the feelings that they may have and yeah. because we don't see them we think it's more humane well and it, it could be less humane than the other methods i think as, it, as people are still being legally executed, we want it to be painless, obviously, but the real issue should be taking away. The real problem we need to face is just figuring out what to do with people. If we can't legally execute someone who has murdered 20 people, what do we do with someone like that? That's a, that's a difficult question to yeah. ask. Um, I think that these people who have murdered 20 people um, or case studies that we can investigate further because it's it's not so common that someone is going to kill 20 people and in these conversations about prison and the death penalty people like to jump to the most extreme of cases yeah. and use that very small statistic against the entire argument because most most people on death row have not killed 20 people it's often <laughs> wrong time wrong place mm -hmm. there's often 
people who are innocent on death row. Since 1973, 123 people in the United States were released from death row because they were found to be innocent and even more have been found to be innocent after their death. So the judges are just looking at themselves like we really ignored a lot of evidence in these cases. Mm -hmm. A professor at our university, uh, Lloyd Steffen, shout out to him. <laughs> Um, he works with inmates who are on death row, yeah. and he had said that if you want to visit your child who's on death row, you have to go through, you have to be checked, like uh, screens before you come in, and if there are any remnants of drugs or like marijuana on your skin, then you cannot go in to see your child. So there was a case of this man who wanted to see his son and he handled some money that was handled by someone who had marijuana and because of that was not able to see his child before he died. And I, I just think that's really ridiculous and inhumane. Yeah. I read something the other day that up until like 2001, it was legal and mandatory to handcuff birthing mothers while they were in labor because it was thought, you know, what if they escape? during labor and so women who are pregnant in prison would be handcuffed to the bed until like I think it was 2001 or 2003. Wow. <laughs> Which is just, that's just right there, perfect example of inhumane treatment to someone who, when, when you're treating someone like that, you're not thinking of them as a person. No, you're not. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not great. I've never had a child before, but I cannot imagine that giving birth is uh, very comfortable experience, especially if you're you're trapped. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If you're in prison for life and you show good behavior and you've been in for 30 or 40 years, is anything going to change in the last 30 or 40 years of your life? You know, nothing mm -hmm. is going to be significantly different in your rehabilitation, in your change of character. And I think that the prison system kind of simplifies people to very one-dimensional characters. So if you commit a crime when you're 22 years old and it's so bad that you're in prison for 30 years, yeah. it just it doesn't really make sense because the person that you are a year from now is different from the person you are today so why should the person who are 30 years from now be punished for something that you did when you were in your 20s especially when you look at juvenile crime i mean there's so many like 14 year olds who are in for life how can that one action define your entire 100 years let's say you get also if you're 14 years old and you've committed a crime that results in you being in prison for your whole life then there has got to be some deeper issue at hands right. like it's not normal for Family 14 year old exactly issues, the whole if you, maybe you're not in school maybe you come from an abusive background i mean if your parents are in the prison system and their parents were in the prison system and every person that you surround yourself with is involved in a life of crime then you become the average of the people you spend the most time with and it just creates the cycle it's really hard to break. What do you think is something that listeners should know about the current criminal justice system? I read in your proposal, for example, that most people don't know the size of an actual jail cell. Oh, I don't know the actual size. Six feet the, by eight feet. Six feet by eight feet, okay. So if you're a six foot male, you're one of the dimensions of the room that you're trapped in. Yeah. What do you think about incarcerated workers? What is your experience from working in the prison? 
Um, I don't know if I have experience necessarily from working in the prison on this topic, but in my research, I have found that in California, there are inmates that are fighting wildfires. I believe they make less than a dollar hour. Uh, I don't know the exact statistic, but they, they risk their lives, get paid very little, and then when they're released, they cannot become firefighters. That's so sad. They just it it doesn't really make any sense to right. me. It's uh, discriminating against a certain group of people. It's using. Once you check that box, it's almost impossible to find a job after. Yeah, I think it's the average of thirty to forty cents an hour for incarcerated workers. Which, if you want to buy a snack from commissary in a week, okay. I actually learned of something the other day. One of the inmates who I tutor was telling me about this. It's called chichi, mm-hmm. which is a a delicacy at Northampton County that they make, where they they take ramen noodles, um, slim jims, cheese, and tuna and mayonnaise, and they mix that all together in a trash bag, and that is chichi. Okay, to be honest, that sounds disgusting to me i was completely lost at the tuna and the fact that this is like a delicacy means that the conditions on which these people are living are not high enough right wow i didn't know i didn't know that that's like the finest thing that commissary can bring you with your 30 to 40 cents an hour if you had someone outside of prison like a child or you know a spouse that you want to support eventually Getting that kind of pay is just never going to surmount anything, even if you have a a life sentence. And also, you have to pay to be in prison. I think it's like $10 a day. What? I'm pretty sure you have to pay to be in prison. Really? Yeah. Wait, look, look that up. In 49 states, inmates are charged for the cost of their own incarceration. Paying these bills way ahead of their due dates and working off the charges while in prison is basically impossible, no matter how hard you work according to Huffington Post. So Vera Institute of Justice is a great organization, and they say that the incarceration costs an average of more than 31,000 per inmate per year nationwide. Um, $31,000. So that's what they're talking, oh, they're talking about taxpayer money. I see. And securing people in a state. I think um, the amounts that we spend per child in school is less. Can you look up that? Thirty-one thousand dollars a year per inmates on education. In 2015, the United States spent approximately twelve thousand eight hundred per student on elementary and secondary education. Interesting. That's that's less than half of what we spend on inmates. Maybe we should ask where our priorities are. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe if we invest in children early on, there will be less people mm-hmm. in the prison system. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't know. It's a flaw of um, the systems we've built in our society. Okay, maybe we should wrap it up. Let's do like one last topic. Is there anything you want to talk about too? I, I feel like I've just been kind of... I'll just end with some resources that were very interesting. The documentary 13th. Oh, I saw Netflix. that. I really loved good. that movie. I loved it, but I hated it too. Um, I loved how it was made. I hated the truth about it. 
it tells how um, from the 13th Amendment when we ended slavery, how it allowed some forms of slavery to exist um, and led into the current mass incarceration system we have today. There was a segment in the beginning about how once slavery ended, and we're talking about a plantation economy that completely crashed. So you get an uprising from farmers, you have a, a political uprising, there's economic uprisings. People wanted slavery to exist so badly and to continue that if you were soliciting in public or breaking any form of segregation laws, many people were put in jails and prisons for extended amount of time for like public solicitation. Mm. I think that the United States has a long history of exploiting certain groups economically at the benefit of other groups. Mm. And for hundreds of years it was slavery and we were exploiting Africans that we, we stole from Africa. And that is what our country was built on and we continue these systems now with things like the prison system and paying human beings 30 cents an hour to do work and it's and work for big corporations. I mean, that's something I definitely want to get into more at some point later in the podcast. But um, there are companies, big companies like Victoria's Secret actually had a lot of their textiles made in, in prison mm. by prison labor. And it's the clothes on your back. It's what you're wearing. So as long as people are educating themselves about the truth, I think that's a step in the right direction. I think it's not even just the prison system. It's just we're exploiting people. We're exploiting people in prison. We're exploiting people in other countries. We're exploiting migrant workers. Um, and we need to open our eyes to this. Yeah. And so 13th is a great documentary. People should definitely check that one out. Any other? Angela Davis is a great author. She is in favor of prison abolition. You should definitely look into the movement of prison abolition. Um, it's about moving towards a society where crime is no longer a thing. Very interesting. Yeah. I have a quote from your proposal, which I actually really liked, so I wrote down. Um, so you said, we need to start challenging the widely accepted belief that prison was designed to keep our society safe. And that made me want to ask you, why, do you, why are prisons designed then? Prisons are designed to take those people who don't fit into our society out and make our society appear as if it is well-functioning. And that's a long history of America, mm -hmm. from slavery to Columbus, um, Columbus to Columbus to um, Japanese internment camps, which we never talk about. We never talk about that. I only learned about that in high school because I did a research paper for like a special topic in one of my history classes, but it was never taught in the curriculum, which blows my mind. And also immigration detention centers, which are currently happening yeah. in our country, which we should talk about more. Yeah. It's how we educate ourselves. And that's the best thing for, I think, listeners to do. Mm -hmm. Educate yourself on the country you live in. And Tori, thank you so much for being with us today. I loved speaking with you. 
you are incredibly, incredibly experienced in criminal justice issues, and I think your papers that you've written are amazing. I'm so happy to have you as our first guest, and thanks, thanks for again. Me. Yeah. Any last words? I don't know. Educate yourself. Yes. Educate yourself and stay curious for answers about why things are the way they are. Always question the system. Yeah. <laughs> question the man. Yep.